Hi guys, I'm Ash Warlock. I'm Archie Hallett. And I'm Botan Pinto. And welcome to your podcast for kids from the symposium. Uh, I'd like to be joined by these guys today to go through quite a packed week of football. Um, there's no better place to start than the dismissal of Frank Lampard, who yesterday lost his job as Chelsea manager. Um, he was sacked after a poor run of form. Um, it wasn't too surprising, but you know, here we are. Arjun, tell us what happened and whether it was the right decision. Um, yeah, I don't think it was too surprising given the poor run of form. Um, Chelsea, obviously, with this club, we know that that's how you know we've got our success in the last 20 years. We are the most successful English club in the 21st century for a reason. Um, we're not used to being like a project club by any means. You know, we are a sort of rotating um, circus, basically. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to that. Um, look, we all know that Lampard did a great job, well, a good job last season in getting the top four, getting to the FA Cup final, um, qualifying for the knockout stages of the Champions League. There's no need to sort of go into that any further. But the issue was that this, this year, we clearly had a terrible sort of run of form that left us sort of very much adrift of the top four, the top six even. And there was no sort of clear signs of improvement. Um, and I just think that it was sort of right decision um, to sack him. Um, it sucks from a personal point of view. I obviously love the guy. Um, but I've spoken before about how I, you know you need to sort of separate the player from the manager. And from the point of view as a manager, it's clear that he was out of his depth. Um, and I just think it was, yeah, it was very much the right decision. Um, but yeah, um, that's just my personal view of the situation. I think it was... It was a bit weird to sort of sack him after the three one win against Luton in the FA Cup, um, but I feel like it was sort of they were sort of waiting to sort of finalise decisions with our new manager Thomas Tuchel, who will be announced today, um, and he sort of knew that he that would be his last game, um, similar to the Billich sacking at West Brom after they got that draw against Man City at the Etihad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I would be grateful to I, I'm always grateful towards Lampard for like this last season a bit because. He has, last season was, a, was very, very fun as a Chelsea fan. You know, we played some good football at times. We integrated lots of youth players, made them like established first teamers or squad players. And it was just a very exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. Um, he, he successfully sort of bridged the gap between potentially, you know, falling away after the Hazard loss, after the transfer ban, getting back into the top four, all that, all that jazz. And I think that, um, you know, he is a good sort of transitional manager. Um, but, you know, obviously, wasn't seen as being the person to take us towards that, that next step, um, which is probably challenging the titles again. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's the case. Um, I think everyone knows about the way that Chelsea do business. They get through managers very quickly. And over the last 20 years, it doesn't seem to have stopped them having success. But I have seen Chelsea fans say, um, I was actually watching a Liverpool channel on, on YouTube and they had Chelsea fans on to talk about this, which is quite good of them. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about how this is maybe slightly different because in 2009-ish, whatever, when you sacked Ancelotti, well, 2010 wasn't, or 2011, yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, you had that spine, you had, you know, Czech, um, Terry, Cole, Lampard, Drogba, and that team can kind of just manage itself to some yeah. extent. And, and the manager can just, you know, is, is maybe slightly superfluous even to that. And, Whereas you don't have that now, and you know they, you have lots of different playing styles going on. You have a lot of young players who, you know, really depended on Lampard for coaching and for opportunities, and they might be, they might be slightly displaced now without him there. I mean, Boti, what are your thoughts on this from an outsider's perspective? You know, it does seem to be slightly rash, but I guess you know Lampard has spent a lot of money. Yeah, 
So Frank Lampard is probably the most romantic signing as manager that you could think of for Chelsea. In terms of an outsider, on my view of this as a Barcelona fan, I'm I'm slightly worried because we're always talking about how eventually we want Xavi back, we want Xavi to be Barcelona's manager, and I, I feel the same thing could happen. Uh, I think Lampard has to have been admired for a, a number of things he did as manager, playing his graduate, his uh, Chelsea Academy graduates like Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Reese James, and putting faith in them to play, some of them actually coming through as incredible footballers with great futures. Uh, I think that's something to be admired. Um, at the end of the day, I, I, I have to agree. I think that the right decision was made. After spending this much money and not producing the results, uh, it's, it's hard to justify why he should have been kept on. Um, yeah, yeah I, I want to sort of go into um, what Ash sort of touched on. He was talking about the sort of player power uh, you know, at Chelsea in like the last decade or so, or in like the you know two thousands, we had the likes of Terry Lampard, job was sort of going to the board directly and, and complaining about the likes of Villas Boas, um, uh, Scolari, etc. Um, there are reports yesterday in Matt Law's te- Daily Telegraph column. He's like you know tier one for the club. He's essentially like the mouthpiece for the club, and he said that it was like it was the floor of fringe players who weren't getting any game time. Alonso, Rudiger, Kepper, um, sort of Jorginho was insinuated as well. Um, and he said that these players were sort of complaining about their lack of game time, the fact that youth players had been sort of getting the attention, the, the sort of, you know, social media attention they weren't getting anymore, which I think is very sort of pathetic and sad. It speaks a lot about their sort of contributions and desire for the club to do well. Um, but if that is true, it's sad to see that sort of player power still remains in the club. Um, the difference was before when it was happening, you had sort of bona fide legends of the club and world-class players and successful players were doing it. Now you have sort of... Alonso, Kepper and Rudiger doing it who are sort of, you know, past their prime, not even good enough to like, you know, to play for the club, bang average players essentially. Um, which is sad to see that sort of prevailing. You know, we had I thought we sort of got rid of that when we sold like William and David Louise, but it seems like it's sort of staying in the club now. Um, that is disappointing and I hope that, you know, the club sort of deals with that internally and they sort of are sort of um, given accountability for what they've done. Um, but I also think the sort of hounding of these players by like social media on social media is, is a bit ridiculous as well. It sort of has to cut both ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty much in agree with you guys in that I think the second was it deserved. Um, it's sad to say, but it was deserved. Um, and hopefully, you know, he can come back in a decade or so. You know, he could be a, a far more experienced manager. Um, but I really hope we do sort of um, drift away from appointing club legends, as it were, because, you know, it's, it's never going to end well, is it really? Like 99% of the time. Um, as for Tuchel, um, I had my reservations about him. Um, he's sort of the reason why he left Dortmund in PSG was because of his fractious relationship with the board there. Um, and I, I was aware that he always had this reputation. You know, yes, he's managed sort of star players like Neymar and Mbappe, um, Aubameyang, etc. But I'm a bit concerned that that could sort of blow up again. But at the end of the day, as I've said to you guys before. If he wins us a trophy or two, you know, a domestic cup, Europa League, if that's what we qualify for next season, then that's fine. Um, and yeah, see, see you, see you, and on to the next one. Um, but I think, I think it is quite a positive sign in a way because he's done well with the youth um, at PSG. Bought some lots of youth players. You could say he was sort of forced to because of injuries or whatever, but he did sort of play them. Dortmund, he was, um, he played as like so Union Weigel when he could have played like Emre Chan and the Bender and Sven Bender. Um, he bought in Pulisic, um, you know, has that good relationship with him. PSG, the likes of Kimpembe, um, 
Tino Carrer. He, you know, he's played all these players like far beyond they were sort of needing to be played, basically. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of confident that he can continue to play our young players, who are obviously, as Lampard said in his statement yesterday, they are the future of the club. Um, so I'm optimistic to see what can happen. Um, I'm more confident that we can get that we can get top four than I was when Lampard was in charge you know, recently. Um, whether we will or not, I'm not sure. But you know, I, I am a bit more optimistic, and it'll be interesting to see how we do under him. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for that analysis, Arjun. I think this is an important topic anyway. So I'd just like to bring in Lawrence, um, who just joined, to kind of just give his brief thoughts on it before we move on, because. You know, is this just maybe ask Lawrence kind of a broader question about, you know, whether this is a sign that managers aren't given enough time in kind of modern football or whether you think in this case kind of Lampard deserved deserved to get the sack, um, as, as crude as that sounds, given how much money he spent and, and how much time he's had already. I don't know. It, it, um, what do you think? Because a lot of people do seem to be very concerned about the, the lack of patience in modern football because of all the financial imperatives involved and whatever else. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm sure, Ash, that um, that you're asking me this because I was calling for more time for Lampard uh, a few months ago. I was saying, you know, it's only been, what, now 18 months in charge, um, had a very successful first season. We should allow him time. But I did say with the caveat that this is Chelsea and this is what they do if the if the job isn't uh, if the job isn't going well or isn't going as well as the Chelsea board expect and by the way um, it was I think it was made clear to Lampard at the start of the season that you know top four was not like a viable like it's not the goal that they're aiming for they're aiming to close the gap on Liverpool and uh, and City no matter how realistic that is that is the expectation of the board um, and you know the fact that he's gone Lampard after six months with his new players um, is not a surprise to me even though as you say, we might lament it as, you know, like, oh, Chelsea shouldn't be doing this as, as a club. Um, that's just how they, this is, that's just how they, you know, work. Um, the one thing I would say about this, this specific manager is that you, you would have thought that, you know, he should have been given more time as a club legend. Um as, but then, as you, know, then well. you could reply then that that's the issue, isn't it? He was only given the job because of his playing career and playing careers don't necessarily translate well at all to managerial careers. And he would have not got the job in the first place and would have been sacked by now if he were, you know, just a, a manager with that record who hadn't played for Chelsea. Yeah, and I, I think that, um, but yeah, I agree. I, I just think that uh, Chelsea, you would have thought, would have had the understanding that th- this is more of a project He's a manager that has to grow, and maybe they would have given him more leeway as a result. Um, with regards to what Arjun is saying about you know club legends uh, managing, I mean it's only worked like twice in the history of football. I mean Ole is is a question mark, um, but the only two examples I can think of where you know club legends have come back and done really uh, good jobs as managers of the club are Pep Guardiola obviously, and uh, Zinedine Zidane. And those were two very exceptional situations. Yeah. Guardiola, obviously, yeah, an exceptional tactic, you know, a tactician and basically revolutionised football. And Zidane had an exceptional group of players in the mid-2010s that he that he was able to give a platform to, you know, win those Champions Leagues. But I wouldn't say, and it's kind of been demonstrated now, that he's an exceptional manager. Um yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm disappointed from a neutral point of view because, um, you know, 
Lampard seemed like a you know decently promising manager, and you know, um, you shouldn't really be I happy still, at anyone losing their job. I still yeah. think Lampard is a promising manager, but I think I think Chelsea was a, a sort of step too far for him. Um, no, you know, think... perhaps a season a season extra at Derby would have been good. Um, we see, we you know, actually know how well Gerald's doing at Rangers. He's sort of smashing um, the SPL right now with them. Um, yeah, it's just you know I, I agree. It's just in that, in that you know it's a it's a tier below the Premier League, and you know Lampard only managed Derby for twelve months. He missed out on the play in the playoff final, and then he got the Chelsea job. It just seemed a bit too soon, but you know here we are. Okay, no, thank you for that quite detailed analysis. Let's move on then to um, the FA Cup. Chelsea beat Luton three one. Um, this was kind of before Lampard, well, just just before Lampard was sacked. Arjun. A pretty convincing display, uh, but against pretty weak opposition, anyway. Yeah, I mean, this is quite a yeah a, a swan song for Lampard's side at Chelsea. Obviously, Mount um, was given captain was given the captaincy, which was quite nice to see. Um, but yeah, just a convincing performance. To be honest, Tammy Abraham scoring a, a nice hat trick. Um, Gilmore played really well, but not much to say beyond the fact that you know it's the last game. I'm glad that his reign ended with a win, and off we go into the next round to play Barnsley away. Yep, okay. And Lawrence, uh, Manchester United played quite an entertaining game against Liverpool at Old Trafford. They ended up winning 3-2. Liverpool did manage to score some goals. What do you make of this game? Uh, quite a competitive game, quite a good watch. It was a good game. It was quite a contrast to the... I mean, I wouldn't say the 0-0 at Anfield a week ago was a ball fest, but, you know, there were some very nice goals. We kind of commented that the five goals in this game were just were, were full of genuine quality instead of like VAR messes um but I I think yeah uh it, it was a great win for United um it was a topsy-turvy turvy game both sides went ahead in the game and United eventually took it out um Bruno Fernandes with a fantastic free kick winner this is a huge confidence booster for United because we haven't actually beaten a top six side before this game and you know even though it's the FA Cup and Liverpool traditionally haven't seen the FA Cup as as, as a much of a priority they did play a strong side in this game um, and I, I think that yeah United showed a lot of quality on the ball that they perhaps didn't a week ago which will um, against you know a top side which will give them a lot of confidence um, strangely Paul Pog was given man of the match um, by match of the day which I thought was it was a bit wrong. I thought that um, more, some of the Liverpool players had much better games, and I think Marcus Rashford maybe deserved it for a very composed finish. Um, yeah, Liverpool will be concerned because um, they, you know, it's all, the January transfer is almost over. They haven't bought a centre back, and Reese Williams just didn't look up to scratch in this game. Nor did I should add Trent Alexander Alexander Arnold, who had another chucking game at right back and was terrorised by Marcus Rashford. Um, what I mean, yeah, actually, I mean you've definitely you know noticed these defensive deficiencies. Um, and why aren't Liverpool strengthening? Is my question. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's just a kind of bad situation. Um, we need a centre back. We haven't got one. Um, the, the window's running out. Um, Liverpool have played so badly in the last in the last month and a half that I actually took was quite positive after this game because we actually scored some goals and we hadn't scored any goals in the league in so long that even though we lost, the fact that we scored two goals was really nice. And 
I saw some good attacking link-up play. That was quite nice. But again, defensive frailty. Reese Williams just missed a ball that he just shouldn't have missed. And then, you know, that's what happened. Rashford was through. Again, you know, another hole on the other side. Um, and Milner missed a header. And that was um, Greenwood through for his goal. So, you know, I think if Liverpool have their ordinary centre-backs. I think they win this game. And I think they actually win it very convincingly. Um, because I just think that the way we play with our proper centre-backs in, you know, the way we distribute the ball as well, you know, you could have Van Dijk pinging one to Salah, who's on, you know, Lindelof's shoulder and, and whatever, like you can humiliate him. So, uh, but that's what we didn't have that and that, that that's where we are. Um, it's just massively disappointing and I think people are rightfully upset at the owners who um, have provided a couple of signings in the summer, but... I guess because of COVID and, and other things, they definitely didn't provide us with everything we needed. And, you know, after Van Dyke going out, they seem to only they seem to think that Reese Williams is is an acceptable replacement when he really, really isn't. Um and it, it just seems that, you know, Liverpool have unfortunately not changed the way that they play. Um haven't changed the way that they play compared to their injury. I mean I'll both you I'll bring you in just in the extent that, you know, it does seem to be pretty pretty bad from a Liverpool perspective in that we do need to buy a centre-back as a quick fix and it's not really happening. What do you think Liverpool should do in this situation and you know, how big a loss is, is Van Dijk? Because Lawrence has spoken about how poor Trent is defensively and a lot of Trent's game is going forward because Gomez or Van Dijk or Henderson would like slot in behind him and cover for him and that person's not there anymore and yet Trent hasn't changed the way he's played and he, and he definitely, you know, and it's just really annoying because then he, he just... He was at fault directly for the goal that we conceded against Southampton, and you know, he just hasn't. He's just been quite poor in his distribution going forward as well. So you know, what, what, what? How should Liverpool change the way they play to accommodate these injuries? And do you think they should get a centre back? Ideally, of course, um, they should get a centre back. There's a few things I want to pick up here. Then, Ash, uh, you've got some answering to do here. First of all. <laughs> yeah, on, first of Let all, interrogation begin. Um, I don't want to call it the Liverpool entitlement complex, although Lawrence Bernardo <laughs> would love me saying that. But uh, you keep demanding that uh, Fenway Sports Group just keep pouring money in. We we had this back in uh, September when constantly you said, "Oh, we need to spend on Thiago. We need to spend more on this. We need to spend more." Um, so we had that. So first of all. How how much can you actually expect them to keep doing this, especially considering that um, the with the number of injuries you've had, they can't just keep replacing everyone. Secondly, no, I I agree with that. I mean, I just I answer that one. It would just be that I expect them to buy a quick fix or even just a free transfer centre back if one's available, just a senior centre back who knows how to play the position, even. Buying Logren back, even buying Logren back if you have to, or someone like Socrates who's on the market, mm-hmm. um, as a quick fix. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. When you go into the season not having replaced Logren, who's your fourth fourth centre back, and then your top three centre backs get injured, and Matip was injured for this game, so you know that's not an un- unacceptable. If you have no centre backs left, it's not an unacceptable demand to ask your owners to facilitate getting another one. Okay, my second point is. Of course, we know that with Van Dijk, with with solid centre back, your your very modern style of uh, wing backs going forwards works exceptionally. However, now that you can't rely on this system, 
does it perhaps show that Trent isn't actually that great a right back in it, in it as a complete player and can only play in that very specific role? Um, I guess I guess that's maybe quite premature to say because I have actually seen him do put some quite good defensive performances in. So, for example, I've seen him in previous years. Um, be completely fine against top class the um, opposition in Champions League and the Premier League. Um, now you could say maybe attributing that oh and that's just because Gomez was there and Gomez is rapid so could cover him or whatever. Um, I don't know. He's definitely not an orthodox right back, so he he doesn't he doesn't like put in the classic you know fullback tackles. You know he's not like Phil Neal or like Gary Neville. Or you know any of those kind of players? He's 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 much more of what you call a wing back, or even just a right mid that just goes back sometimes. And therefore, I don't know if you can compare him to an ordinary right back. If you do want to compare him, then obviously he's defensively probably not good enough. And this is what it's been shown because in previous games, you know, if he misses the ball, he's out of position. Then Henderson even would slot back in and take his spot. So I think that's what that shows, perhaps. But I think what's more concerning is the kind of paucity of his attacking game at the moment. He's got he's struggling to put balls into the box. He's his delivery is quite poor. Decision making, which usually is very good, is quite poor. I don't know why he's doing why that's the case because that's not really changed by the lack of centre back presence. Unless it's just he's so spooked that he doesn't want to commit himself. But he does seem to be committing committing himself, and yet not his delivery just seems to be poor at the same time. So. Yeah, that's more concerning than his defensive frailty. Mm. And uh, finally, uh, this one's actually to Lawrence, is uh, Rashford's new position, should it be his permanent one? Well, what do, you mean by real, what do you mean by real position? Because yeah, um, he's been... I mean, if you're saying he's been played off the left and he, he did that very, uh, very well in this game... and and. Quickly to just touch on Alexander Arnold, um, you know you have to you have to understand. Well, understand, he's twenty two years old, guys. Um, he's had two world class years, and this is like a, a brief dip in form. I, I I think it's a bit unfair to sort of pile on him. I think it's one of those cases where okay, defensively, you know he hasn't been that bad in the past two years, and and it is worth mentioning that you know the Gary Neville's of the world do not pass as good right backs nowadays, right? Um, because because of the importance of their yeah, offensive that's, that's game, what I'm saying, and yeah. I think I think it's just a case for Alexander as um, you know a, a lack of confidence, and I think the confidence will come back eventually, given time. It might be worth Klopp, you know, dropping him for a game or two, letting him set his head straight. The question is, who else at Liverpool can play with at right back with Nathaniel Klein going? No, no, no. Um, Nico Williams is like a pretty good, um, pretty good prospect at that on that side. Like he plays in a similar way to Trent. He's probably better with the ball at his feet, dribbling than Trent is. Um, defensively, I don't know if he's any better. So, so he sounds certainly someone that we can choose to play. But then, if you have a, a Nico Williams and then Reese Williams and then Fabinho from the right to centre, then that's just weak as hell. But yeah, anyway, let's well, let's move on to with Rashford. Um, with Rashford, yeah. quickly. I mean, he's been playing off the left for I think three or four years now. Um, started under Jose Mourinho. Got Jose got a lot of flat for it actually. Um, but I think Rashford, what Rashford has done under Ole, um, and maybe under the tutelage of, of Cavani somewhat, it's just added that killer touch. So he's 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 making more runs behind the defense from that left position, which makes him a, a, a dangerous animal. And I I think that one thing that Ole has done this season is 
He's actually experimented with Rashford on the right, and it just hasn't had the same effect because Rashford can't cut inside. Um, maybe he's just not used to the position. But uh, yeah, I think I think to answer Boti's question, I think Rashford's best position right now is not that number nine position. It's not right wing. It's um, it's playing off the left. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, and then moving on, um, Man City um, managed to beat Cheltenham three one. Cheltenham held out, out held out with a surprising lead for some time. Um, Arjun, what did you make of this? I mean, it was just unfortunate in the end. Yeah, it seemed like it was going to be one of the great sort of FA Cup upsets. Um, but yeah, City just managed to show their class and um, upset Cheltenham. And this sort of shows City City's evil because there were you know people had hope that Cheltenham would sort of hold up the win. Um, but, you know, at least Spurs had the sort of decency to sort of flash Marine early on in their first half um, in the last round. This one, City sort of led us on a bit, sort of baited us by you know, making us think that Cheltenham would upset uh, the order. But, yeah, just a convincing with the City. Um, and this was sort of the theme of the FA Cup this week, was a sort of sort of tense, but then convincing away wins. We'll see yeah. like Leicester managed to beat Brentford 3-1 away. Um, Spurs obviously beat Wickham 4 wide away very convincingly in the end but were sort of made to work for it a bit um, the first hour or so um, it was 1-1 at half time mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean this is the thing with the FA Cup recently it's like you remember the upsets but most of the time like 95% of the time the sort of death rate for big clubs is quite um, low like you know there aren't many shocks I would yeah. say like in terms of top level teams going out um, and this sort of shoot showed just proved that right to be honest yeah, and then so other results were Everton beating Sheffield Wednesday three um, 0 Burnley beating Fulham three 0 So that's a championship. So that's a two Premier League teams. That was quite a good, uh, quite a good game. Hoping, and then, hoping um, yeah. yeah, no, I, was just, I thought that'd be quite rude if I didn't go there. And then Swansea beating um, Forest five one. Um, I think the only other game we should mention in detail is Southampton managing to beat Arsenal one 0 Lawrence. Yeah, it was a it was a nice own goal. Uh, for, for the win, um, Arsenal they uh, they look they look up and down right now. Obviously they had that terrible form earlier in the season, but then they seem to have picked it up somewhat. Um, but you know Southampton are a genuinely good side now. We we can't you know gone are the days of Nigel Adkins. Um, this is like this is Ralph Hasenhutl. This is a modern, vibrant, attacking Southampton. Um, and you know we should expect these kind of results from that results from them. What do you think, guys? Martin Odegaard to Arsenal? It seems mm. like a genuine link. Um, he was great in La Liga when he played for Real Sociedad, but he's not I getting think, any time around Madrid. Both I think it. it's a bit peak for Arsenal to sign such a promising player, but knowing that he'll only be there for half a year, he'll go back to the yeah, in the summer. True. Um, but he, you know, he's quality now, though. Like he's yeah. not just potential. But I mean, is he really what they need? I mean, they have Smith Rowe there, who's doing reasonably well anyway. Um, I feel like getting Odegaard will sort of push Smith Rowe out. You know, obviously Odegaard is a better player, um, but they re- do they really want to sort of hinder Smith Rowe's development while he's sort of getting good game time? I'm not sure. Um, it seems a bit baffling from that point of view. Um, but yeah, I mean, he can he can he can be a good. He's a very good, exciting player. I'm sure both Max Lee will about him. At Sociedad, uh, less at Real Madrid. So it'll be interesting to see how he does at Arsenal. Yeah, I, I actually agree with Arjun that um, it, if there's ever a season to experiment with younger players for Arsenal, it's, it's surely got to be this one. Uh, so it, it seems a strange move. 
Yeah, I agree, especially when Smith Rowe's been playing well and you might actually be tampering with his growth if you bring an Odegaard. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're in a good position moving forward. They're definitely improved and uh, interesting to see how he slots in. OK, moving on, then we've got some midweek Premier League games coming up. Both should come to you first because it's Villa. Um, Villa managing to beat New- managed to beat Newcastle 2-0 on Saturday. Yeah, uh, con- convincing victory there. I think it was uh, Bertrand Traore scoring again. He's doing very. He's on very good form. Ollie Watkins finally ending his uh, his goal drought. And of course, they're they're taking on Burnley uh, in this midweek clash. Um, but this one, I've seen the experts predicting a a one-one. Um, Burnley obviously coming off the victory uh, against Liverpool. Um, I, I I still favour. Villa for this one, probably two one. I'd say. Mm, okay, um, and um, Chelsea are playing Wolves, Arjun. Um, that seems like quite a good game. Could be a stumbling block for you, especially in um, Tuchel's first game in charge. Uh, Wolves been flattering to deceive slightly this season, but definitely not massively easy to play. Yeah, this is a high fixture of paper. What I'm very interested to see um, is whether Tuchel will actually be on the bench physically. Um, reports coming through this morning were that he was in Paris flying into London today. Um, and we, I will be expected to take training today, later this afternoon, which I think He's is a bit weird. Quarantine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Apparently, Ornstein, David Ornstein was reporting that um, he sort of had the relevant COVID tests and like he's going to get some sort of specific exemption to like take training, sit on the bench, etc. But that strikes me as very odd. I'm not sure quite sure why that works. I'll have to look into that. Um, but apparently, you know, he will be on the bench tomorrow, which will be okay. interesting to see. Um, but yeah, this hard pitch on paper will have, have sort of flattered to see this season. But I'm, I'm hoping for a win here, which will obviously be massive for us. Any win is massive for Chelsea right now in, in the bid to sort of get back up closer to the top six. Yeah, yeah. OK, and then um, on Thursday, maybe the game of the week is Spurs-Liverpool at, well, uh, White Hart Lane or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, Liverpool managing, now hopefully they can build on their on their performance against Man United and score some goals in the Premier League for the first time in a month or so. Spurs at the same time have been playing quite well. They've um, been putting results through. They, they've struggled uh, about three or four weeks ago with a couple of draws, unnecessary draws. I remember against Wolves in particular. Um, but they seem to still be pulling out some results when they need to, and they're still up there. So I, I think this will be quite a tough game for Liverpool. I think for sure you'll see Spurt, you'll see Son and Kane attacking Liverpool's weak central defensive partnership. Um, Liverpool won't be able to play their high line here, and if they do, it'll probably be suicide because Son will get through. I mean, at Anfield, he got through. Um, and he, he um, and, I, and I think... Uh, you know, chances are missed by Spurs. They could have won that game after not dominating the ball at all. I expect Liverpool to dominate the ball again, and just hopefully they can, they can break through Mourinho's organisational, uh, organ, um, their kind of organised uh, formation, um, and his you know banks of four. Um, okay, Lawrence, um, United are playing at home. Sheffield United. Surely this is quite a routine win. Yeah, except the return fixture wasn't too easy. Sheffield went ahead after two minutes, as was has has as has been the case for so many times this season. Um, but Sheffield are so shit, like, honestly. Like, the only team worse than them right now, I'd say, is Newcastle, yeah. who haven't scored in, like, 15 hours. Um, so, like, if we don't beat Sheffield United, then obviously, like, uh, you know, all this hype train needs to, needs to stop. But I'm looking forward to our attacking, because I, I expect Ole to play a very attacking side against Sheffield. It'll be interesting to see whether Donny van der Beek plays, because... 
He hasn't been getting much game time recently. He started against Liverpool in, in the cup match and just wasn't that good. Like he was he was tidy, he was he was just like passing and making nice movement, but he wasn't demanding the ball and you know making the difference like Bruno Fernandes does. So but you know, this is Sheffield United. They are they are bad. <laughs> so um maybe maybe he'll give a bit of squad rotation with the next fixtures in mind, really. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and we have like quite a good game coming up, which is Everton against Leicester. Now, this seems like quite, quite a good game. It's like the, the, the competition between the two teams that are challenging the traditional top six the most um, and two teams that have definitely got a chance to, to, to win, to get a top four or even do slightly better, Leicester, Leicester especially. Um, how, do you this, how do you see this panning out, Boti? It seems like quite an exciting game on paper, which probably means, now I've said that, that it's going to be a nil-nil draw. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's very even. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to this one a lot. I I'm struggling to predict a scoreline, but I, I can tell you the things we should uh, look out for in the game. Um, obviously, Dominic Calvert Lewin scored in the FA Cup tie, so probably he'll be he'll be slightly higher up in his confidence right now. Definitely be latching on to some crosses. Uh, Leicester have sometimes struggled with with uh, facing that. Whereas uh, on Leicester's side, you look at you look at Harvey Barnes and James Madison, who are on absolute fire at the moment. They seem to be scoring in every single game. They go forwards with desire, um, and of course, in the absence of Vardy, the goal scoring uh, uh, burden shifts to them mostly. Vard. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's cruel. Um... Lawrence, how do you see this going though? Because this is, you know, quite an even, quite an evenly matched game. Everton have been playing quite well. They they went off on a bad run of form earlier in the season, but they definitely recovered. Leicester is sitting pretty at the top of the league after securing some quality results. I can see this being a very good game, and I I probably fancy Leicester in this game. Yeah, um, if I was Brendan Rodgers, I'd be talking about how the players are showing shown a lot of passion this season, a lot of hard character. work, a lot of character in, in a shit Welsh accent, but a lot like, of character. You know, I can't do that, and that would well, be a great Oh shit! Sorry. Okay, I knew it was one of the home nations. Um, but anyway, it's it's an awful accent, um, and I'm not going to do it because I disgraced the the entire country of Northern Ireland. But um, I do think that they have a great chance in this game. Um, and uh, you know, the thing about Everton this season is that they've been so heavily reliant on on Calvin Lewin's goals, and he hasn't scored in about ten game weeks. So I. So, I th- I don't think that their sort of the halting of their momentum is any coincidence at all. Um, if you look at sort of the the teams around them in terms of, I guess, the traditional challenging for for the seventh place, um, you know Leicester, you know they they ha- they find goals from everywhere. Madison's on a great goal scoring run, continued against Sheffield Wednesday, um, and not Sheffield Wednesday in in the cup, whoever they played. Sheffield. I remember these. Brentford. Brentford, yeah. Um, he scored a nice goal with his left foot. And, and I think that um, that's the difference between teams like Everton and Leicester. Leicester can put out a result because they have more, essentially, match winners, whereas Everton just sort of lumped the ball up to, to Calvert-Lewin from, from Hamish Rodriguez and hope it works. Yeah. I'm just going to come out and say it. If Leicester win um, at Gibson Park, they're fully in the title race. 
yeah, I don't yeah, think I don't think I don't think it's a question of like oh it could be challenging with top four coming in the season. I think they'll be fully in the title race among the sort of three challengers the title. Yeah. Um, I put them ahead of Man United to be honest. Sorry, Lawrence, but I just, what what I disgusting. Just think, I just think that Leicester City and Liverpool are, are, are among the proper title challengers, and I th- I really do feel. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. But I just feel like United will fizzle out. Um, Mate, I think I'm aware that the title ball. challengers need to be able to like defend their box. This is like, like 2016 Liverpool, 2017, like you can score goals, we're not going to win anything. Because we well, can't I mean, we've kept clean out. sheets against Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, City. So, you know, I, yeah. I don't necessarily think we're bad defensively. It's just we, we can't do both scoring yeah. a lot of goals and defending really well okay okay let's let's save that for another time because that is actually quite an interesting debate and it needs to have credence lent to it um in a proper context but let's just move on to a rematch then southampton are playing arsenal again arjun um do you see a different result this time yeah this is like the b-tech version of the united liverpool rematches that we've had um i i i don't know um i think southampton will be able to win this one again to be honest i mean arsenal yeah they've looked brighter um, you know, recent games, but I still think that Southampton will be too good for them. They are yeah. going to be better so managers. Southampton are honestly quite class. Like Ward Prowse playing so well, um, yeah. I actually quite fancy them for to put on a proper European challenge. Yeah, like okay. as you said, they're a very likable team. Like, yeah. You, so. City are then going to the Hawthorns, Boaty. They City struggled against West Brom in the first time they met this season at the Etihad. I think West Brom got away with a point. I held City to a point. So. Do you think that they can repeat that, or do you think City will steamroll them in their current form? Um, it, it's unlikely. It's always possible, isn't it? Uh, I don't want to rule it out. But uh, I, I think City should come away with a 3-0 solid victory here. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they're, they're very solid at the moment. Um, obviously, they'll be missing De Bruyne. Uh, but Bernardo Silva came in last week as well, scored a goal. Gundogan's in exceptional form as well so I, I i think they'll they'll pull through probably three nil yeah okay okay and lawrence finally i'm going to give you a quick fire one sentence preview please from the following games you ready brighton against fulham uh bright brighton bad fulham good uh <laughs> fulham fulham score goals now and also defend well so okay. fulham win okay okay, okay. <laughs> um palace west ham West Ham, good. Palace, okay. West Ham have Moyes, so they apparently they're a good team now. Um, yeah. yeah, good job. Now, climbing up the table, I can see this as being quite an entertaining game, especially considering how Palace can sometimes choose to score goals. So I see this as being quite a high-scoring game, but I think West Ham, better, better team here. Newcastle leads. Leeds, you don't know what's going to do, what they're going to be. Leeds, Leeds are m- very overrated. Uh, Newcastle are completely shit and correctly rated that way. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop this stupid, like, robotic voice. Yeah, I, I just want to say, right, Newcastle fans, like, you're totally justified in, like, hating Steve Bruce and everything he stands for. Like, I swear to God, it, I would rather, like, I'd rather sink my head into snow, right? Snow that's very nicely placed in my back garden and get fucking hypothermia than watch 90 minutes of Newcastle play because they actually can't attack. They, you know what? They can attack because they, they bought a 20 million pound striker in Callum Wilson, right? They bought a 20 million pound striker and they have, you know, Almiron, Jonan. I mean, Jonan is a joke, but uh, they've Maxima. got Almiron, right? 
They got Sam Iceman as well. And they literally refused to attack in some games. It's actually unbelievable. Like, you... And, okay. you know, and you know... The worst thing like for Newcastle points... is if they win this game. Like, yeah. they, they, yeah. they, they don't want to win this game, do they? That, okay, okay. That's my point. They're okay. four points behind Leeds, right? So yeah. clearly they're doing something okay. They're not probably not going to get relegated. But I think all their fans want, yeah. right? It's a big club. They want to see some football. Yeah. Okay, no, I, I agree. And they've just been un- unlucky with their owner and managers over the last few years, but hopefully they can find a way through. I don't want them to get relegated. I think the Premier League benefits from having Newcastle in it. So hope they stay up um, and I hope they can find some form there for um, but yeah, no, thank you, thank you guys. That was a good comprehensive review um, and preview. Um, looking forward to these games this this um, today and or this this midweek. Um, and I hope Liverpool could score some goals. Um, Arjun, hopeful for Tuchel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am. I'm excited to see how the rain will go for you know the, a year yeah. and a half or two years or however long it ends up being. <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, I'm optimistic. There's always excitement. Um, for a new manager, um, I think this Tuchel appointment is a bit sort of sad. If it wasn't Lampard that had been sacked, I'd be excited. I'd be more excited for Tuchel. If that makes sense, like yeah. I'm still a bit sad about it not working out. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how we'll do under him. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. Thank you. I just I just like to throw some shit into the fire here. Basically, Tuchel track record of fighting with the board. So that's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Yeah. You went yeah. into that, you know, when you were late. Oh, it's not as if this is a long term like tw- like 10 year hire is it it's like 18 month hire he'll win something and he'll leave like that's it isn't it I fully think we'll win a trophy or two with it yeah you'll win like FA Cup and he'll leave or something yeah that's great um, or the Europa League next year or something I don't yeah. know um, but yeah okay cool thank you thank you Boti thanks guys thank you Lawrence thank you very much Cheers, guys, and see you next time from the symposium. Um, catch uh, catch another football pod. I think we might get a music pod out too as well, so uh, pay attention to that. And also, yeah, check us out on Twitter as well. Cheers.